Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode seven of The Wayward Dragons. We are your hosts. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Johnny, and you'll love this one. Yes, this is our Yule episode. Yay! Uh, yeah, so we're going to be talking up a little bit about <laughs> midwinter Yule and a few customs and, you know, what kind of went into what a lot of people celebrate now for Christmas uh, as far as popularized and get into a little bit of history, a little bit of interesting things. My brain actually hurt while doing research for this one. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I, I knew some of this stuff. Some of this stuff was, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's how but, I felt when I was doing Samhain. I was like, holy shit. Oh, oh, this, this, <laughs> trust me, this breaks Samhain. Like, this Ooh. is... Ah, so before we get into before we get into all that, Kelsey, how have you been? How have you been doing? Uh, I've been okay. I got some family stuff happening right now. I feel so, that. Yes. So, but getting towards the holidays, I'm feeling a little weird because it's it's my first holiday without my grandma. So understandable. understandable. Feeling a little weird. Not those really. Are, those are always rough. Uh, yeah. 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 But besides that, you know, my second job, the um, season is about to end. So I'll be off for my second job for about six weeks. It's like, it's like a frozen tundra where you live. Why would anyone want cold food? <laughs> you would be surprised how many people come through the drive through for custard and ice. You would be surprised, especially at night. It's more of a night thing. So like. After they go out to dinner, they'll swing through the drive-thru and get ice cream on the way home. I mean, climate-wise, compared to where I live, you basically live in a sub-Arctic. Yeah. So, (laughs) I... um, (laughs) You would be surprised. But because of where I live, it's not super cold right now. So, you still got some decent weather. So, like, it was almost, like, 7 or, like, 65 over the weekend. So, yeah, hmm. had a pretty good weekend. Yeah, we're going to be back up in the 70s next week. So, uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> have you been reading anything good or interesting? Um, I'm working on that series I started. So I'm on book. I finished The Boundary Waters by William um, Kruger. And then I kind of fell off the bandwagon with that because that, that, that book was a little rough. A lot of people die. It's it's heavy. So um, I've <laughs> I found another podcast. That's what I do. Um, called the Minds of Madness. I found it off Audible. That man's voice is quite soothing. It's very deep, like very deep voice. It's rather soothing. So I've been listening to that. Cool. Cool. <laughs> what about you? Um. So as far as reading, it's with everything going on and. Uh, with the holidays, the year ending, and everything at work, I haven't had too much time to read. Most of my reading time has been going into stuff for the podcast and stuff for this. Um, so the two big books that I read, which, I mean, aren't really big, big books per se, but uh, The Magic uh, or the Old Magic of Christmas by Lydia Rodishch. I'm not R-A-E-D-I-S-C-H, Radish. I'm not sure. It's German. Uh, <laughs> and then the Llewell- Llewellyn Sabbath Essential Yule. 
uh, which is you know the same company who did the one that you had read from for Sawin. Gotcha. So they have a whole series of all the Sabbaths. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's that's super cool. But and then you know various other random source material. And then I've actually been listening a lot to. I found a podcast that is called Mythology, and so they'll do either one episode or you know two, maybe three. There's a couple times i think they do do actually do four episodes and they do myth and mythical stories from around the world which is pretty cool uh is it a guy and a girl the main person's a lady they sometimes have another guy or a couple guys on there that do the uh do some of the voices for the stories because they do oh okay i think i started that one at one point because there's one um where it's a guy and a girl and the guy explains the myths in layman's terms to his friend. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. So this is done more on a story platform uh, where, yeah, where she's like done, she tells the story and then she'll either take it and her or another lady will do the voice of the women in the story. And then they've uh-huh. got a couple of the guys that do the voices of the men. Uh, yep. And they have, you know, a couple of fact checkers and stuff. So it's pretty interesting. The, I One of the reasons why I like it is because they, you know, they do do, of course, the Greek and you know, the Greco-Roman myths, and they do—they only do a couple of the Celtic, which is, I mean, it's, I know there's fairly decently, but one of the things I'm loving about it is they delve into, like, myths from different cultures and stuff. They've got a few of the Aboriginal, uh, they've got different parts of, like, African myths, uh, Native American myths, uh, South American, and so it's its pretty cool. That's uh, cool. Yep, they actually have a couple for uh, Krampus. Or Krampus. I was yeah. going to bring that up later. Yeah, yeah. well, that's so Krampus actually is not the weirdest Yuletide creature, but we'll get into that in a little bit. So today we're going to be talking about winter solstice or what has been more well-known or come to be more well-known as Yule, thanks to Gerald Gardner and numerous others. Uh, Yule or Jule is a word that comes from an area that is now Germany, Austria, Latvia, Lithuania, and up to some of the Scandinavian countries. So basically, uh, the areas around the Baltic Sea. Okay. So thanks to, like I said, thanks to people like Gerald Gardner, it's kind of became a staple term for a lot of midwinter celebrations and cultures. What's really interesting is, you know, globally speaking, and they've kind of looked into why, if you look from a astrological standpoint and a you know, seasonal standpoint of why people celebrated it. But typically, globally in the Northern Hemisphere, you have cultures from around the world that celebrate something similar at the same time of year. Mm-hmm. So, of course, you know, commonly there's Christmas, which we'll get into that in a little bit more in detail here in a bit. But Saturnalia, which is Roman. Okay. Uh, Lucy's Day, which is Scandinavian uh, in part. Uh, Dongshu, which is Chinese. Okay. And it I believe it basically translates to the sun's rebirth. Okay. Shabe Yalde, which is Iranian. Inti Raimi, which is uh, from Peru. Salako, which is from the Zuni tribe in the New Mexico area, western New Mexico area. You have Soyal, which is from the Hopi Native American tribe in northern Arizona. You also have Toji, which is from Japan, and this is just to name a few. And we also have stuff like Hog's Watch, which for those of you who are, you know, not Discworld fans like myself, <laughs> uh, it's a midwinter festival on 
you know, Terry Pratchett's Discworld that is a combination of like a midwinter celebration and New Year's all into one, where they venerate a boar and he becomes the anthropomorphic personification of the holidays, very similar to, you know, our version of Santa Claus, where he flies around in a sled and gives gifts and stuff to good boys and girls. His his sled is actually pulled by pigs. Nice. Yeah. And they leave pork pies and sherry for him. Okay. I mean, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, pork pie <laughs> right. is delicious. Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, from fans of his books and stuff, that's kind of become a non-denominational holiday celebration because it incorporates a lot of the stuff from other, like, theologies into it. Gotcha. Uh, there's actually a really fun miniseries slash double feature that they did based off of the, they, he has a book that's called The Hogfather, and that there's a really fun uh, animated, or not animated, sorry, a really fun mini series that they do for that. Yeah, so yeah, so so it's it's really enjoyable. I think you can watch it on Amazon Prime for free with commercial interruptions, but overall it's a little over three hours long with both parts of it and it's it's fun, lighthearted. It's satirical fantasy, so you've got a bit of satire and all that fun stuff in there. So I had to put Christmas in here for two reasons. Okay. One is that, you know, it's the midwinter celebration that most people think of or most people know of here in the Northern Hemisphere. And then two, because it was created by syncretism. Do you know what syncretism is? I actually looked that up while waiting for you. Okay. It's basically the joining of different ideas within religion, two different religions or multiple religions. Dictionary.com defines it as an attempt or an attempted reconciliation or union of different or opposing principles, practices, or parties as in philosophy or religion. Yeah. Basically, Christmas and its modern incarnation is literally just an amalgamation of all sorts of other beliefs and all sorts of other religious ideologies. Yes. Even though in a good bit of the secular world, that stuff's kind of been tossed out. Um, fun fact, Christmas itself was illegal to celebrate in the United States until 1836 because of it being a pagan holiday. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. Uh, it was illegal to celebrate in the United States because of it being a pagan holiday until 1836. My head didn't hurt until you said that. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It gets, it gets better. I purposely saved the creatures and stuff for Yule until the very end because, like I said, Krampus is not the weirdest thing. I have a good, I have a good Krampus story. So, oh, I'm excited for that one. <laughs> so during the dark time of years, many people would keep visual and wait to welcome back in the sun. A lot of cultures around the world, and this is what they found while looking into all of these things is the popular theory of why this is such a prominent and universal celebration is that because of how the sun sets and more so in the further north you go mm -hmm. in a lot of areas they believe that the sun dies yes because the sun disappears for so long mm -hmm. because the tilt of the earth but a lot of midwinter festivals are a celebration of the uh, rebirth of the sun in the northern hemisphere it takes place you know around what we consider what we call now call december because if you look back at dates and how calendars have changed and everything else things can get really wonky I don't know if you're aware of this, Kelsey, but December was actually originally the 10th month. Yes. Yes. Because uh, Julius Caesar added... It was, uh, he had 
Yep. He added June or July, and then his nephew, who took over after him, I added August. August. Yep. So that pushed, because you got to think Oct is eight, and then Nova's nine, and then Dees is ten. Yep. And then they fucked that all up. Yeah, well, and even then, they even more so, because that was the Julian calendar, and even more so when they changed it even more for the Gregorian calendar, which is what we follow now. And so some of the dates have actually been shifted around for stuff. If you look back at certain things of when they were celebrated and when we celebrate them now, you know, there's certain holidays that if you actually look, and this is why... One, I say happy holidays, and two, you know, there's so many customs and different things going on this time of year, is if you actually look between mid-November and mid-January, if you look globally, there are, what was the number? It was like 78 different holidays that people celebrate globally uh, having to do with the winter during those time periods. That's a lot. And, you know, that's from all different major world religions. That's a lot. Um, So delving into that a little bit more, it's kind of interesting. So as many of us know, based off history, by the way, it just started raining, uh, based off history and historical records, Joshua Ben-Hur or Oily Josh or, you know, (laughs) (laughs) better wise known as Jesus of Nazareth. I just just picture like somebody in their mom's basement covered in Gino dust with like the longest, oiliest hair that hasn't been washed in forever. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Sorry. No, you're good. So he was more than likely born in the summer, like late spring to early summer. Yes. But they moved his birthday for a number of different reasons to align with a lot of like uh, the celebration of Mithra and all of that. There's actually a number of different sun gods that were born in late December, as we're calling it. And uh, I'm throwing up quotation marks here uh, for those of you who can't see, which is literally everyone but Kelsey. Like, it's just me and the cat. <laughs> <laughs> and he's asleep. <laughs> My cat's asleep too. So why are you always asleep? You're literally, like, you're torturing me all the time, except for when I'm online. Um, <laughs> I was like, they are on their bed. He is asleep next to my laptop. Fair, fair. Uh, So anyways, (laughs) lost my train of thought. Edit all that out. (laughs) (laughs) Born in late December. Yeah, so Jesus of Nazareth, born in late December. Or not born in late December, celebrated in late December because of uh, a number of solar deities that are considered to be born or reborn during that time period. Which is why a lot of the imagery, I think, from other solar deities has kind of crossed over into Jesus. If you look at a lot of, like, medieval pictures and stuff, a lot of stuff has been crossed over into Jesus. Like, why he has that, like, the, almost, yes. like, aura thing or That is him. exactly. So that actually ties okay. into Celtic. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 because that's one of the things. So that actually ties into uh, Celtic mythology and i really wish i could remember the name of the documentary i watched a documentary a few years ago and if i can find it i'll post it on our facebook group our facebook page rather but there was a documentary that goes into more detail on this about jesus being you know a incarnation of a sun deity yeah I, i was like i always saw the parallels between him and hercules so i'm gonna pick your brain about that at some point because i <laughs> 
I don't know the parallels that you see between him and Hercules, so I, I will pick your brain on that at some point. <laughs> uh, unless you go with the fact that he's, you know, a god figure impregnated a woman against her will. But that's... Uh, Zeus did that to a lot, but... Yeah. It's his son, who goes through many trials and eventually dies. Yeah, no. No. He's Jupiter's son. Heracles is Hercules, <laughs> is Zeus's son. Let's not yeah. get our Greek. Let's not get our Greek and Roman. That's back. what I said. He's Zeus's son. No, no. Heracles is Zeus's son. Hercules is Jupiter's son. Oh, whatever. One is Greek and one is Roman. <laughs> oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry that that drives me crazy about every. There are so many things that do that where they're just like. This is Hercules. He's the son of Zeus, and it's like, but he's not. Like the, Kev, <laughs> the Kevin, the Kevin Sorbo TV series uh, where he played Hercules, uh, the Disney movie. I love that Disney movie. I think Percy Jackson. I think Percy Jackson is one of the few things that actually got it right as far as lineage of gods and demigods, as far as literature and popular media. Yeah, I, yeah. So Yule traditions typically and are what we do in many ways for Christmas. So a lot of it is feasting, giving gifts, decorating, storytelling, playing games, and of course burning the Yule log. Mm-hmm. So a lot of a lot of times when you do gift giving for Yule, a lot of covens and stuff, if you go with the Wiccan or certain pagan groups, they will take it and say, you know, we'll take it and we'll do like a white elephant thing and it'll be handmade gifts, uh, which okay. is kind of cool. Or, you know, you get like a secret Santa and you do a handmade gift for them, which is always kind of cool. Um, struggles for people who are not crafty, but I've seen some really interesting and inventive things. That's why I just make people cookies. <laughs> uh, I've I've done like tea blends, like made my own tea blends for people. So, you know, decorating is your typical decorating you would have for Christmas time. And we'll get into that here in a little bit. Storytelling. So storytelling has always been an important role with Yule. Um, So typically uh, people will limit, nowadays they'll limit their electronics and stuff during Yule celebrations. Okay. Unless they do like a traditional, you know, they have a Yule tradition where they watch a certain movie or something like that. But the part of it is just kind of disconnecting from the modern world and, you know, paying homage to that old mindset, you know, playing games uh, like board games and stuff like that. I've been to Yule celebrations where they've actually had just like a massive D&D game going on. Okay. Uh, so that that could be interesting. And, you know, there's for those not too familiar, there are plenty and I mean plenty of one shots out there online, which is a you know D and D session that's literally just one game uh, that has some sort of Yuletide theme. So you'll be fighting like Krampus or you know some kind of monster uh, of some sort. There's a, and there's like you know stats and already pre generated for that. You can actually fight Santa Claus in some of them if you want to go the evil route and try to stop Christmas and stop the presents from being delivered. Uh, so I've, okay. I've I've run a few interesting games with my family for that as well. Do you get your whole family to play D&D with you? Oh, it's kind of become a holiday tradition. It's, what? That's awesome. They don't play any other time of year. It's kind of become a holiday tradition. So it's kind of kind of fun. My One of my nephews is ASD, so Autism Spectrum Disorder. And he loves it because he, you know, gets to play, which... 
Granted, he struggles with it sometimes because there's he forgets that, hey, everyone's playing, not just me. <laughs> so we had one game that ended up ending because he's like, okay, I'm going to chop down this forest. Screw what everybody else is doing. <laughs> That's funny and, and very cute. Yeah, the way I set up the game is like, hey, Nana, which is, you know, what they call my mom, got kidnapped. And so you guys got to go rescue Nana. And he was like, I'm going to chop down this forest. <laughs> it's like... Screw Nana. <laughs> Come on, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Screw Nana. Like, that's, that's so cute. Yeah, so games is typically a thing. So going back to storytelling, uh, you know, a lot of times people will just share, like, experiences and stuff they've had or fun things that they've done in the past or they'll take and they'll share myths, legends, stories about Krampus or some of our other interesting creatures that we'll get into here in a little bit. They will also, of course, feast all sorts of good food because, you know, we need libations. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then the burning of the Yule log, typically what you'll do is you'll start a fire on the sunset and keep the fire burning through the night. Okay. And your last log that is burning, so the idea is to take the sunlight from the old year into the new, and so you're keeping the light okay. alive. And uh, so one of the ideologies is that you'll keep that fire burning, and then the log, last log that's on there, when the sun rises, you'll take that log out, and you'll take it and wrap it up and put it up and start your fire for next year with that log. Okay. I was wondering where that came from. Yeah. Okay. Because yep. you have a lot uh, of people that do the um, Yule cake logs. Yep, that's where that comes from. Uh, also, some people will take it and, like, uh, there's a tradition to not throw out the ashes during that year that you burnt from that. You'll take it and you'll wrap that up and put it up because that's the fortune and everything for the family. And you don't want to throw the fortune or the anything like that, the health of the family out. So the idea is throwing out those ashes, just throwing out the fortune of the family. The ashes from that fire specifically? Yes. Okay. Yes, the ashes from that fire specifically. Okay, gotcha. An actual really famous story, and it has the it's the weirdest thing to me, because it has little to nothing to do with Yule itself. Mm -hmm. But Hansel and Gretel is actually a really popular story for Yule time. What? Do you know why that is? No. Two reasons. One, the witch, and I'll get into why witches are such a big thing for Yule here in a bit. Um. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, to the gingerbread house. Uh, then there's actually there's actually a lot of debate on whether it was actually a gingerbread house or whether it was a different type of cookie type thing. I forget what it's called. It has basically it's gingerbread, but it has no ginger in it, and it's technically oh. typically rolled thicker. Uh, yeah. I don't remember what it's called, and I'm not gonna even attempt. Uh, like molasses cookies are thicker. I don't think that's what it was no. though. But so decorating, typically what you'll do is decorate with evergreens. So you have your evergreen trees, uh, holly, ivy, rue, mistletoe. Uh, while there is no 100% certainty of the origin of evergreen trees for Yuletide, uh, the Christmas tradition gets it from Yuletide celebrations. 
It is commonly believed that it is because of certain tribes and certain areas they would take it and they would bring an evergreen tree into the house for a couple different reasons. One of which is that this was a promise that life would continue and it was believed that all the forest spirits and nymphs and stuff in the forest would go to these trees, would huddle into one type of tree and so they would bring that in to help keep them warm and then they would take it and decorate it with like you know food and stuff to help feed as an offering to the spirit that makes a lot of sense so that's where your tree decorating comes from like your popcorn strings and yeah, yeah. all that stuff candy yeah. canes you're feeding the fair folk yeah so you want to take it and make sure the forest spirits stay fed and warm in the summer uh, and, and so like with reeves and stuff reeves are actually originally meant there's a huge thing elves and we'll get into elves in a little bit but there's actually an entire holiday. It's a winter holiday that involves elves. And so that's where the reeves come from. And so what you would do is you would take the reeve and put it on your door as kind of a welcoming into the elves and saying, hey, you guys are free to come and go. You can come and enjoy meals with us and stuff. And, you know, then you can go on your way. And taking down the reef is taking down the invitation of them coming into your house. What? Yep. And then, of course, mistletoe is so kind of going into the rebirth thing, uh, getting into a bit of the Norse mythology. There's a story of mistletoe where one of the goddesses in the Norse pantheon would take it and went around and, you know, her son, Baldir, which was her prized possession. She was, you know, her favorite son, all this other stuff. She went out and prom- made everything promise that it would not harm him. It would bring no harm to Baldir. That way he would not be injured in any way, shape, or form. So she made sure every single stone, every single tree, uh, everything promised not to harm him. She overlooked the mistletoe because it was in her eyes harmless. Well, Loki found out about this and thought he would be a little shit and (laughs) thought it would be funny and fashioned the tip of a spear out of mistletoe and convinced the blind god Hod, which is the uh, Norse god of all things dark and cold, you know, perfect time of the year for that, to throw it at Baldur because Baldur's like, yeah, I'm invincible. Everyone can try and throw stuff at me and stab me and shit. And so he's just like, all right, I'm going to do this. You know, he's blind. So they're like, sure, why not? And since Mistletoe was (laughs) the one thing that didn't promise not to hurt him, it penetrated him and he died. That's funny. But so he's reborn. So he's reborn like with the sun. So part of the ideology there is that's part of like the time of mourning for him. But that's where mistletoe kind of comes in. And so since then, mistletoe has been a symbol of love and commemoration of that. Yeah. Hmm. So going into the fun part of this. So we're going to talk about Yule monsters, spirits, and beings. And I found a fun picture online that uh, I'm going to post to our uh, Facebook page with a few of these creatures in here. Nice. So, of course, most of us are familiar with the image of Santa. Yes. And... While he comes from a you know number of different things, you know it's commonly associated with Saint Nicholas. Uh, mm-hmm. While this is partly true, many of his characteristics are taken from a number of different pagan gods and spirits. Yes, uh, a lot of it is actually taken from Odin, who would take it and ride out on his wild hunt during the Yule time. Yep. There's actually a really fun song by the Emerald Rose called "Santa Claus is Pagan Too." <laughs> yeah, funny. it's it's catchy. It's fun. My mom even likes it. Okay. And, you know, she's a Southern Baptist, so 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of funny. <laughs> but yeah, so the image that we have of Santa that we have now actually was not made and like for the red suit and all that was not made until 1931 by the Coca-Cola company. Yes, yes. And not a lot of people know that. Yep. Yeah. There were a number of different other versions of him and renditions of him in the late 1800s after the uh, after Christmas was no longer considered illegal. But, I mean, if you look up some of this artwork, so the, after Christmas was no longer illegal because of different immigrants from other cultures and stuff coming in, there was no consistency in the United States for what Christmas celebrations were. And so you would see things from like other cultures that kind of got blended in. Um, there's actually a creature from I forget which country it is that basically comes and visits people and they ride bats. <laughs> so, bats are a traditional Christmas decoration, guys. You heard it here first. Uh, so yeah, I'd actually ride bats, but you would see in like some of these old like Christmas cards and stuff and holiday cards, Yuletide cards, they had, you know, fuck knows what on them. Like you could take and go look back at them and they are just wonky. The artwork is gorgeous, but they are just wonky. Biggest messes of anything. That's fantastic. Krampus, uh, which is another one most people are probably familiar with here because of the last 15 years or so with appearances in such movies as the Krampus movie and stuff like Rare S Exports, which I believe is a Finnish film. Uh, it's a horror film. Mm, yeah, I wouldn't watch it anyway. It's actually pretty entertaining. And then, you know, showing up in TV shows like American Dad. So he's mm. basically Santa's right-hand man. I know a lot of like certain things are like, oh, he's the opposite of Santa. Which, in reality, he originally wasn't. He was Santa's no. right-hand man. Yes. It comes from a... Uh, it's a creature in G Germanic folklore where being the Krampus is actually more of an honor than it is a species or type of being. So, basically, Santa would take it and be like, um, you right there, you're going to be the Krampus this year. And so, this creature would take it, and it literally looked like the stereotypical image of the devil, uh, but fuzzy. Yes. He was furry. Yep. Yep. So he and he takes it, walks around with a sack, like a bur huge burlap sack, and or a uh, you know big potato sack or whatever. He has a like a switch or a branch that he would take it, and him and Santa would visit people's houses on December fifth, which is you know the Krampus night now. Mm -hmm. uh, but he would visit houses randomly, and if the children were bad, if they were minorly bad, then Krampus would just beat them with sticks. If they were majorly bad, he would stuff them in their sack yep. and carry them back to the cave, and him and his uh, the other Krampus-type creatures would eat them alive. Yes. Uh, the actual, like I said, that mythology podcast does a really cool little story on it, and they would actually take it and leave coal for the parents. That way they would know, hey, this is where your kid is. We took your kid. Here's some coal. <laughs> yeah. My stepdad, with his granddaughter, he would go out to the garage, pick something random that was broken half the time, wrap it up, and tell her it was from Krampus every year. That's funny. Every year. <laughs> That's like, funny. I think one time she got, like, a broken Walkman. <laughs> She's like, what is this? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that's my Krampus story. That's great. That does that that's great. His oldest granddaughter. And I do know, I think there's a huge Krampus festival somewhere in Europe. There is. So there's, they have uh, a big, there's 
a huge, huge celebration huge. now. That's it's kind of became a celebratory thing as opposed to something to be feared. And they do yes. like drunken races with people dressed as oh yeah Krampus and all sorts of other stuff. The parade, uh, the parade is what people see a lot of. That's what ends up getting online a lot. Yeah, is all these like horrific people, but it mainly shows up on my Middle Earth pages. I mean, <laughs> that's better. Well, you got people dressed as orcs. Eh. So they go, oh, look what I did. And it's like, what? <laughs> um, so you also have another creature slash being you see at this time is the white woman or the winter witch, uh, which is a character in a lot of folklore traditions. Um, depending on the folklore and tradition, depends on where she comes from. Uh, you get a lot of different things, but it's typically the same theme. A lot of these are, you know, basically they were goddesses in old theology or aspects of goddesses uh, that have kind of molded into other things now. And, you know, she would show up dressed in white. Uh, she would often come in and, you know, expect some sort of like gift or some sort of payment as like just like, you know, like food or porridge or clothing, depending on where you're at. Mm-hmm. And then some of them expect like a lamb sacrifice. Yeah, they'd show up and look for an offering. If they didn't have an offering, they'd seek retribution of somehow, which is, you know, typically when people freeze to death in their bed or stuff like that. Okay. So in some stories, they actually have this thing called a witch's bridle, which basically they can put on the back or put on a man and ride the man like a horse. He does not turn into a horse. Basically, she hexes him and he strips butt naked and she straps it on him and he bends over like a horse and she rides him like a horse. Okay. Yeah. That's some weird shit. <laughs> so a little bit BDSM territory there. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> that sounds like some weird shit, but and all typically, right. And typically they'll do it till the guy's dead. Uh, typically these women are believed to either be members of the Unseelie Fae Court or cursed by the Fae. Okay. So elves. Now, I know you have a very distinct ideology of what elves are. Eh, I know that they are good and bad. Well, I was just going on the fact of you being a, you know, Tolkien fan. Yeah, he does paint them as blue eyes, blonde hair. The farther you get in, then their hair gets darker and their eyes get darker. So elves, as far as mythology, there's actually no one place they come from. The image of elves and the ideology of elves is inspired by a number of different creatures, uh, household spirits or forest spirits and stuff like that. Yeah, typically, you know, they want some kind of exchange of food, clothing, something like that. And uh, you give them that and they help give you gifts or, you know, bless the home in return yeah well i know in iceland that's how it's seen it's like a like a harry potter house elf type thing yeah and there's all different sorts of like house fey and house spirits and stuff so there's no one place where the image of elves comes from it's kind of an amalgamation of a bunch of different creatures yeah so the last creature we're going to talk about here is a bit of the bit in the left field uh for this time of year so certain countries actually have Christmas werewolves. What? Yeah. So Christmas werewolves, uh, the idea there is, and this is really came up more post-Christianization, but the idea is that children born on the same day as Jesus are 
going to turn into werewolves because they're an affront to Jesus. And yeah, yeah. So I've heard this. Yeah, so there's Christmas werewolves. Uh, I've heard about this. I, this is just like a small taste of all the different wonky creatures and stuff that are in there through different mythologies and different practices, different folklore. But I think in Romania they even have Christmas vampires, but. I didn't really get enough into that. Plus, if it's Romania, they don't have much else other than vampires, apparently. I don't know. No. Dracula kind of just set the scene for them. And I that's mean, all they got. If it ain't broke, <laughs> don't fix it. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, getting into um, so Yuletide animals. Okay. So, there's a number of different animals that are associated with Yule. Uh, one of my favorite in Iceland and Greenland, uh, mainly Iceland, they have a creature called the Yule Cat. Have you ever heard of the Yule Cat? No. So, this is the funniest shit ever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, basically, the idea okay, here is it? that if you get clothing on Yule okay. and you don't wear these clothes on Yule, you will get eaten by this giant cat. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Basically, it's a big fucking cat that eats you if you don't wear the clothes someone gave you. Alright. I would have been dead a long time ago, but <laughs> alright. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's a fun thing. You also have stuff like uh, the Yule Goat, which you see like a wicker goat sometimes. I was talking to my mom about it, and she's like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. When I showed her pictures, she's like, oh yeah, I've seen those things. So it's it's something that you see, but you've, or you've seen probably, but you don't realize what it is. Gotcha. Yeah, so it's a it's a goat that's made out of wicker. Okay. You also have the Yule Boar, which is typically venerated and is a sacrifice, um, which is why those two things are why people have stuff like, you know, lamb or goat and ham on Christmas. I was about to say that. I was like, yeah. normally you do turkey for Thanksgiving and ham for Christmas. Yeah, so that's what that's where that kind of comes from. Hmm. And then, of course, I wanted to kind of end this on a little bit of a fun note here. I've got a little bit of a fun thing. So, do you have any favorite holiday movies or TV shows? Christmas specifically? Well, typically, like the Yule time. Oh, that I watch during this time? Yeah, or something that just typically happens this time. I see it, but people, <laughs> you know, our lovely listeners can't hear what you're motioning like, you to. My lovely uh, mayor from The Nightmare Before Christmas, and his face does turn. Nice. I, I freaked out in the middle of Walmart because his face turned. Um, normally, I watch The Nightmare Before Christmas and Die Hard. Sorry, I love Alan Rickman. I will gladly watch him. Never seen any of the Die Hard movies, so. Uh, the first one's pretty good. Yeah. They're all like based around Christmas, I think. Not really my type of movie. I'm not a big espionage fan. Mm. Eh. I was like, I prefer watching them. My stepdad likes to watch horror movies for Christmas. You should tell him to check out Rare Exports. He would probably enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Probably. I think one of the last years my Nana came over, We they were watching um, House of the Living Dead. <laughs> I was like, man, no thank you. So... That's what I watch. Other than, than the obligatory Nightmare Before Christmas, because that's a given, you know, being millennials. Yeah. I have three that I really enjoy. Uh, of course, The Hogfather, because, you know, I'm a hardcore nerd like that and love that book series and watch that movie every year. 
Other than that, Eight Crazy Nights. Okay, that is a funny one. It's, it's the only Adam Sandler movie I like. If anyone <laughs> is uh, not a fan of seeing you along to movies, don't ever watch that movie with me because I know every word to every song. And, <laughs> so not a good idea. But the other one is actually kind of surprising. And I, apparently not a lot of people know about this movie, which is surprising. Um, the 1986 Babes in Toyland. What? The 1986 Babes in Toyland. I have no clue what that is. So it stars. <laughs> hold on. It stars Drew Barrymore. Okay. Keanu Reeves. Okay. And Pat's uh, Marita, which most people know him as Mr. Miyagi. Oh, okay. Okay. And he actually he actually plays Santa Claus. Okay. <laughs> but fun you know, lighthearted movie. There's a creepy, you know, the bad guy's super creepy and is extremely misogynistic and gets his for obvious reasons. Nice. But yeah, Drew Barrymore gets transported like a whole Wizard of Oz type thing to a magical world where, you know, it's Toyland. And well, it's a little bit different of how it happens. Obviously, there's not a tornado. But yeah, she gets magically transported to a magical land and the uh, Keanu Reeves is the hero of the story. I was like, does Keanu Reeves play the good guy? Because it's Keanu he, Reeves. He plays the hero of the story. And it's, like I said, it's 86. So it's young Keanu Reeves. Oh, young <laughs> Keanu Reeves. So he's got like, the <laughs> crazy shaggy hair and everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's it's such a great Reeves. movie. It's such a great movie. But yeah, definitely, uh, definitely recommend. It's interesting and entertaining. Yeah, I just, my mom puts on the Christmas story loop. See, fun thing about that. So I was, I never really watched that or was able to watch that growing up simply for the fact that we spent a lot of time at my grandmother's and she hated that movie. I hate that movie. My grandmother hated that movie. And uh, so, yeah. It was good. It was good. Up until my mom found out the ABC family put it on a loop on Christmas Day. You watch that movie like four times in a loop. At that point, it just becomes background noise. No, because there's, <laughs> there's nothing else to do. We've opened everything and whatnot. Now you're just stuck watching the TV because that's all she wants to watch is Christmas Story on a loop. And it's like, so you know, they made a sequel. Oh, yeah. Or he's like going after the car or whatever. Mm -hmm. He wants the car. Oh, yeah. Then doesn't the actor, doesn't the actor end up playing in like a different Christmas movie as an elf? In the um, Santa Claus movies that Tim Allen is in, where he's, Tim Allen plays Santa, he's yeah. one of the elves. Okay. Because the main elf in the movie goes on to be the guy in the show Numbers that was on for a really long time. Okay. I actually remember that show. We actually watched that one year in one of my math classes. Mm -hmm. because my grandma watched that all the time. Because it was about solving crime with math. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We're predictable people. So, as humans. I mean... So. Depending on who it is. Yeah. Yeah. You not so much. I am very chaotic neutral. Uh, <laughs> you are. <laughs> Creature habit. You not so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it keeps things interesting. Yes. So my question for our audience is, do you guys have any fun Christmas or rather Yuletide traditions that you do um, either by yourself or with other people you'd be willing to share? And, you know, what are your favorite holiday films? Yeah, even if they're non-traditional, like Die Hard. <laughs> I mean, my sister apparently has made a decision that she is watching all of the Lord of the Rings movies on Christmas this year because there's elves in them, so they're Christmas movies. Why not? <laughs> Go for it. 
I love the people that have it timed um, for New Year's. Mm-hmm. If you time the second movie right, um, the King of Rohan will say, um, "Let it begin right as it strikes midnight." You have to you have to time it like super right to get it. There's also one where you can do it with uh, Avengers: uh, Infinity Wars. Yeah, where he snaps. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. See, I don't, I don't include Lord of the Rings with any of my stuff. You include Lord of the Rings in every aspect of your life except for that. Mm-hmm. Oh well, yeah, yeah. So. I can't, yeah, I can't like force it down people's throats all the time. I'm not. I don't do that. I mean, to you could, but I could. Like I've said this to my boyfriend. Like when we hit that point, you know, he's asked me like, "Do you want a Lord of the Rings themed wedding?" And I was like, "Honestly, I would love to, but I will not do that to you. I will not force." my nerdiness onto you and everybody else will i put subtle things in there yes i will but no i dated someone whose sister had a lord of the rings themed wedding and then you know they spent all this money on it and everything else and then like three years later they got divorced because Mm -hmm. he couldn't handle the fact that she was ace Mm. and it's like that's that's something you gotta talk about yeah yeah that was a conversation we had super early (laughs) yeah i mean you know, parameters of relationship, you know, going back to our last episode, communication and respect is important, guys. (laughs) Parameters of relationship before you get married or before you make any kind of commitment like that is important. Yeah. Like, I understand that I am nerdy and not everyone likes my nerdiness, so I will not force that upon everybody else. That's not fair to you. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's not. Definitely. All right. So our next episode is, or next, at least two episodes are all on you. Yes. So, so the to... next one will be what is the difference between a cryptid and a mythological creature? Because then we will be doing my favorite, favorite cryptid, the Mothman. Because then after that one, we are doing Eastern horoscopes for the Chinese New Year. Yep. yep. And that's uh, that's going to be a whole fun thing. I am a metal horse. Do you know what you are, Kelsey? I'm a monkey. Do you know what your element is? Nope. That's it. That's all I got. Okay. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. Hey. <laughs> All right. So I guess until next time, you folks have a blessed Yule, a bitchin' Yule, a merry Yule, a happy Yule, yes. or whatever the hell you want to say. <laughs> I was like, please uh, rate, review, and subscribe, and please tell a friend and come visit us on our Facebook page. Yeah. Come yeah. visit. And, uh, you know, our Facebook page is the wayward dragons our email is the wayward dragons at gmail.com we are yeah. on all major uh podcasting platforms call it? yeah yes we are yes yes so until next time, next time. this is johnny signing this off is bye, bye.